So Jen and I were having one of our classic carport with coffee conversations. Thank you so much for including coffee, Steve. Definitely not for me, but she usually has it. So it's a morning, it's nice, the sun comes into the carport in that time of the day here, and we were just talking. I was kind of complaining about things in life, mainly related to school, and we came to this conclusion. Jen might have been clapping her hands like a clap back. That's not good enough. I definitely did the clap back. No, Steve was complaining about something happening at school, somebody kind of in leadership, not knowing a certain thing. And I definitely clapped because I get really involved with this too. I used to be a teacher. I know how it is. I know how frustrating things can be. And I definitely did a, that's not good enough. And as we were complaining, pantsing about this situation, we kind of had a moment of, oh, hey, maybe we should introspect and look into our own lives and do a little clap back of, that's not good enough, Jen and Steve. Except when it is. Let me give you an example. My nephew, I'm pretty sure he was pretending to be Link and going down Link? either from Zelda. Okay, I just want to clarify, not everybody on here might be as into video games as you are. I don't know if there's any other Steve is aghast right now. He is looking at me like, how, Jen? How? A kid (laughs) thinks they're Link. I don't even know what else that could be other than the video game character. There is no other Link in this world. Okay, we've established. Moving on. I'm pretty sure he was being Link and he was doing the hookshot or like ziplining down his drop ceiling in the basement, which no, that doesn't work. No, it didn't work. And he ended up just ripping the drop ceiling (laughs) as he fell to, thankfully he wasn't hurt, but I got there. My brother had called me like, Steve, can you, can you fix this? Like (laughs) he came downstairs. They're like, what happened? The drop ceiling, the tiles are like strewn, ripped. Uh, so I wasn't maybe even as handy as I am now. Definitely not. But I was like, I can give it a shot. Um, I can't fix the broken tiles. Do you have some spares? Yes, there are some spares. All right. Well, let me get, uh, let me check. I've got a coat hanger. I can put a screw up here and coat hanger and get kind of bend these, you know, the drop ceiling frame back into place and put some uh, tiles up. And uh, we looked at it and, and my brother Bob was like, yeah, that's, that's good enough. <laughs> However, while it did ultimately help make sure that the home sold when they needed it to sell, the inspector came through and said, ooh, some poor craftsmanship here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Steve. Poor craftsmanship. <laughs> but at that point, Bob didn't care. Everything passed. It was oh, fine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's great. Well, I have another story of my own. Uh, it's not poor craftsmanship on on my end. So a few years ago, I should preface this by saying I have horrible teeth. I don't know why. I just have bad genes. I brush and floss. Thank you very much. I have a Sonicare toothbrush. Listen, I'm doing all the things, okay? Anyway, a few years ago, I'm feeling some pain. It's getting worse and worse. I go into the dentist. They're like, oh, man, you need a root canal. I'm like, no. So I get a root canal, whatever. A couple years later, I'm having some pain again and another tooth. And And you were pregnant this time. Yes. And so I go in and the dentist says, oh, uh, you have a root canal. And uh, my heart sinks because being pregnant, everything is more complicated with taking x-rays and blah, blah, blah. 
Anyway, I got the root canal. It was good enough. (laughs) And so fast forward to a few months ago here in Ecuador, I'm, I'm experiencing some significant pain and I can tell where the pain is. It's at the site of one of my root canals. I go into the dentist and they do an x-ray and they say, oh my gosh, it's a huge infection. We have to extract the tooth. Something went wrong with your root canal when they were putting it in and it's gotten infected. They didn't fill it up all the way. I don't know what. Also, all of this was in Spanish. So I'm just sitting there trying to absorb as much as I can with what they're saying to me. But at the end of the day, they had to extract my tooth because of a mistake that was made putting in my root canal. Okay, fast forward to a few days ago. I go in to get my tooth implant from the extracted tooth. They do full x-rays. I have to get a CT scan because when you get a tooth implant, apparently it's a whole thing. They sit me down and they say, oh my gosh, you have a huge infection. Do you have any pain in this one tooth? I'm like, no, I don't think so. And guess where it is? My other root canal tooth. (laughs) and they're like it's broken like look at the x-ray and I'm looking I'm like I yeah I guess I don't know what I'm looking at with tooth x-rays and so all that to say the doctors who performed my root canals maybe did a good enough job for the time being but they sure did not do a good enough job For me, for my life and my experience of not having pain and not having to have teeth extracted out of my mouth. I now have two fewer teeth in my mouth. But she does have all of her wisdom teeth. Yes. I sent my friend here as a dental hygienist and she's like, ooh, 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 can you send me your x-rays? And so I did and she was geeking out. She's like, wow, Jen, you have such a large jaw. It was, it was thrilling. We, yes. But hopefully you can tell from these stories that we have different perspectives on good enough when it isn't good enough. And when it is. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Jen. I'm Steve. We're here working through what drives, motivates, and inspires us to act. Whether it's a career, a religion, a family, or being good enough, does it even make us happy? So it seems like a super simple concept, right? But sometimes you just don't think about it. For instance, some of you out there may care a little bit more about this than I do. But whenever I had to mow the lawn, whether when I was a kid or as an adult with my own house, that job was always a good enough kind of job. Yeah, just get it done. Just get it done. Make sure there aren't weeds growing. The lines, meh, doesn't really matter. Do I do it on diagonals sometimes? No, don't care. Good enough. Yeah. And when I make my bed, for example, am I doing hospital corners? No, I'm not. Am I just tucking those sheets in so they won't untuck when, you know, we're in bed and stuff? Yeah, that's what (laughs) I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think of taking out the garbage. Right. Good enough is usually just making sure garbage doesn't fall out of the bag on your way to the curb. Thank you for that. Good enough. But we've added some specific elements to life where... We want to talk about what is good enough. Let's go to parenting. I was a stay-at-home dad for a while, and lots of times I would take my kids to the playground. I was also homeschooling them, so the playground was our recess. 
and that's usually a good thing. Let's go to the playground. But to them, that's often not good enough. What are they looking for? Oh boy, if you're a parent, you know that they want to play with you. You get to be the monster. It's always the monster. Is, well, it, is that for other parents out there? Come on. I, I am always the monster. Steve is always the monster. Or the requisite swing pusher. Oh, of course, of course. It's like as much as you want them to learn how to swing on their own, if they can, then they're going to want you to be the monster instead. What we're trying to say is sometimes I know I want to kind of drop them off at the playground and sit on a bench and read my book. And that just doesn't often happen. And that's just the phase of parenting that we're in right now. It is a phase that will pass. And probably someday we'll be like, oh, do you remember those days when they just wanted us, wanted to be with us all the time? And, you know, it's it's the phase that we're in. We're trying our best to embrace it. But also, your kids want a toy. So you get them a toy. And you might think, oh, that's good. Getting your kids things, that's nice. Yeah, they can go entertain themselves now. Ah, but that's not good enough. Because they want you to play with them too, with the toy. Or, you know, just simple things like feeding your kids. <laughs> that's feeding, a good, that's a good thing. Feeding kids, yes, definitely. Get them fed, get that nutrition into their little bodies. But sometimes just feeding them isn't good enough. Yeah, if it's just the same thing every time, those little taste buds aren't developing now, are they? Well, and you definitely want the actual nutrients to get in there, not just... Did you get calories today? Yes, from some dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. <laughs> okay. But we also have different expectations as parents for our kids and what they're doing around the house. Yeah, so here are some good enough things in terms of parenting and our kids. Good enough is when they do chores, because it is more than likely not going to be perfect. <laughs> when they sweep the house. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like the qualifier more than likely when you could have said never. Okay. I like to have hope. I'm an idealist. But I think of my, my middle child folding his clothes. I cannot watch him do this because it chips away at my heart and soul because it's so bad. But I turn the other way. I let him fold his clothes he has ownership of that. He doesn't like doing it. It's not like he takes pride in it. No, no. He's just doing it. But I need him to just do it. It's about forming habits sometimes, I think. Which can be good enough. Yeah, like the habit of brushing your teeth in the morning and brushing your teeth at night. Are they always brushing their teeth really, 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 really well? Probably not. But we want them to establish that habit. And then, of course, I can use lots of scare tactics on them with how bad my teeth are. Look, mommy doesn't have two teeth. But as soon as they put together some things, it might backfire on you, Jen, because all of your brushing did nothing for you. Oh, yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so let's talk about another thing. It's good to clothe your children. It is. Make sure they're wearing clothes. It doesn't always happen with our youngest right now. But used clothes are good enough. Oh my goodness, yes. Love used clothes. So we shouldn't feel bad if our kids don't always have new things. The newest thing. Yeah. The stylish yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get rid of that narrative, parents. It's it's unhelpful. It's unneeded. It's contributing to waste. Just go to the used store. Accept hand-me-downs. Help your kids build confidence with good enough clothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Oh, 
I that just reminds me of my middle school days, which were really, really rough on me because I was very concerned about my clothing. That was like one of the top concerns of my life when I was in middle school was the brands I was wearing. And I remember my mom telling me again and again, she's like, there's going to come a day, Jen, when you're going to care about the brand of your jeans. I'm like, oh, mom, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. Anyway, came to fruition. (laughs) Not for me. Uh -uh. But I hope that my boys are going to be confident in not all the newest clothes and shoes all the time. So moving on, we have been teachers for a while in our lives. And there are aspects to both the student side and the teacher side that we want to address here and the idea of what is good enough. Yes, our firstborn child comes home sometimes with his work graded, and he's just so proud of his 10 out of 10s. And, you know, he shows us his work, and I'm thankful that Steve does this because I'm not really doing it, but Steve will look with a more critical eye on what he's done and ask him questions about it and maybe talk to him a little bit, not in a condescending way, but just in a constructive criticism kind of way of, hey, could this sentence be better if we put a comma here? Or, oh, hey, looks like you didn't quite spell that word correctly. Well, there are a couple specifics to this, uh, mainly with Asher here. And he will have a spelling test and he knows the words, he spells them right. And I ask him what they mean. He doesn't know. Dun, dun, dun. Here is where spelling a word is good. Spelling it correctly is good. Yeah, some might even say good enough. Good enough for a spelling test. But if you can't tell me what that word means, that's not good enough for me. So Steve and I actually had a conversation about this. And we talked to each other about how we do need to be more aware of what our kids are doing in school and take more initiative in going over the work that they bring home and talking to them about it. And again, it's not just to be critical and point out mistakes that they made or just say how they could have done better, but it's about having a conversation with our kids about wanting to be our best and, hey, could we look at this in a different way or maybe just asking them questions about their work that they're bringing home from school. So we would hope that the parents listening right now think about that as well, because I I really do think that it's going to make a huge difference in our kids' lives. And we recognize this as different for different students, different kids, maybe in the same family even, because there's a great spoken word poem by Taylor Molly I may have referenced before. You definitely have. What a Teacher Makes. And he talks about how he can make an A- feel like, how dare you give me anything less than your very best, and yet make a different kid with a C plus feel like it's the Congressional Medal of Honor. Because of what is expected of different kids and their abilities. And because there's this bar of what's proficient, you can, you can go pretty low on what's good enough to be proficient if you're actually competent. And for the sake of learning, we've already referenced this in our learning episode, but that isn't good enough in learning. Yeah, I would clap to that for (laughs) emphasis. But, you know, coming home with 10 out of 10s and A pluses for some kids isn't good enough. I know that sounds ridiculous, right? And you're like, oh gosh, there are those parents who have these wild expectations of their children. And it's not about that. It's about having conversations with your kids 
asking them questions about their work and realizing, oh, they don't they don't actually have the answers that I thought they would have having received this 10 out of 10 A plus grade. Let's explore that a little bit more. And yet there are times as a student, as our own kids, where if it's something like completion or busy work or a form you have to fill out, there's definitely an aspect of, that's good enough. Yes, yes. So there's a balance, definitely. But as teachers, now I feel we have a right to be more critical of teachers, not only of our kids, but of ourselves, in the following ways of defining what is good enough. One thing that Steve and I believe is not good enough as a teacher, or if you're in leadership over a group of people, we'll just make it a little bit more broad, not even in education. It's not good enough just to know the students' names. Yeah, and the students know that quicker than anyone. And, oh, might I add, you better learn their names by, like, day two, okay? Because that is that is benchmark. You have to meet that first. But it's not even good enough. But as soon as you can, it's so important to get to know your students so that you can be a better teacher for them. You can lead them in a way that's going to work with them. Right. The other thing that we value here, this is more on the actual teacher side of things, which is it's not good enough to just be able to follow curriculum and get through material in a year. That is what Steve and I would call being a mediocre teacher. At best. At best. And you know, we've said it here, It is important to fear mediocrity. Because we don't want you to think it's good enough just to get through the material or to be settled with what you know how to do. Don't be complacent. It's not good enough. Get better at what you do. Do better things. Yeah, and at the same time, I remember my first year of teaching, I reached out to my former English teacher, Michael Conda, a little shout out, And I said, Mr. Conda, because, you know, you call your teachers by their last name for many, many, many years afterwards. I said, Mr. Conda, what advice would you give me as I am going into my first year of teaching? And he said, beg, borrow, and steal. Because he knew that the first year teaching was ridiculous. And whatever lesson plans, curriculum, books, ideas you could get from other people and use— Do that and do your best with those things, but try to use what you could get your hands on and don't totally exhaust yourself by creating everything and overworking that first year so that you burn out. Right. And then there are parts to teaching that you just need to get done. We're talking about forms you have to file. Oh, and... My former school had this whole curriculum guide online that we had to do, and that was definitely something I was encouraging my coworkers, like, just do the minimum requirements. Please do not put a lot of time and effort into this because I'd been around long enough to know that it was just a waste of your time. Like, just do the bare minimum. And I think it is funny because I talked to my friend who's still at the school, and she let me know that that curriculum guide is is gone. Like, they, they've done away with it. And I feel justified in, tell, in encouraging my coworkers, like, don't spend a lot of time on this. I also have something similar here in Ecuador. I have to fill out Ministry of Education lesson plans every week. Now, I have my schedule of what's going to happen throughout the year somewhere else, a little bit more detailed, but I have to fill these things out every week. 
And I do the bare minimum. Because as a teacher, what you want to do a really good job of is teaching in the classroom, spending time with your students, getting to know them and their learning styles, and doing a good job connecting with them educationally so that they're learning material, but that they're also enjoying it and that you enjoy each other's presence. Right. So... We could go on about teacher-specific things that are not good enough uh, and expectations we would have for anyone in the classroom. I do want to add, though, part of our conversation in the carport... Our carport chats. Sure. Part of our conversation in the carport did hinge on the most recent Malcolm Gladwell book that I'm reading. It's called What the Dog Saw, uh, referencing a lot of his different articles throughout the years. What did the dog see? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This is because I'm a parent. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. So although the book has lots of his other articles throughout uh, his time at The New Yorker, it was the end, and he referenced some other things elsewhere, but it was the end, there was an interview with Malcolm Gladwell, and they asked him, if you were running, you know, the education department in the United States, and you had $5 billion discretionary funding, what would you do? And obviously his response was like, oh, wow, that's a lot because, yeah, what do you do? But he's like, far too much of education right now is regimentation instead of experimentation. What we do know is that stuff isn't working. So we should be experimenting to figure out what could work or what will work. And there are some teachers that do that within their classrooms. But on a whole, we have to hit standards. We have to hit minimum criteria of knowledge for students. Something like that. And that isn't good enough. We're seeing that. The way the system is set up, it is set up to keep education in a box, to keep teachers in a box with all the standards and everything. And listen, it's good intentions. The standards are good intentions. But the way that it is set up, it is creating a stagnation in education. So let me reference my current school again. There is actually an experiment underway this year. They're doing something called project-based learning, which is not new, by the way. It's just newer for us here. I know that there's, they reference some very successful school who does almost exclusively project-based learning in San Diego, but we're trying it here. And okay, that's fine. But we're also a standards-based school. So some of the teachers are concerned that we won't get through all the standards. Keep in mind, two years ago, three years ago during COVID, nobody got through all their standards. So I don't know why there's such a new appeal, like, let's get through the standards. Everybody, we've got to do this. Um, yeah, that, that war has already been lost. So we were told to create projects somewhat based on standards, if you could. Well, truth be told, I'll give you way more information than you probably want. There is no probability and statistics standard for my math courses. It always gets dropped off. It's in the books, but they always cut it off. Nobody cares. I happen to know it's useful and that it's tested on the SAT. So I just said, this is one of my standards and that's what our project is going to be about. Other teachers are struggling. They're just not thinking. They're not good enough. It's not good enough to just only look at the standards. Think about what your subject has to offer students in a different way. Right. And teachers, if you're a teacher, you know this. If you are an employee, you know this. We like to complain. And when our administration tells us, hey, we're going to try this thing this year, 
typically the first response is, ugh. <laughs> yep. So we just want to give a shout out to administrators and schools who are trying to do different things, do some experiments. Guess what? They might not work, but they might. And even if you fail, you can still learn. So, let's talk about what's good enough in a relationship. Ooh. This can be a romantic one. Tuck in those sheets. <laughs> or it can be just some platonic relationship you have in the world. Yes, yes. So, with any good relationship comes conflict. And sometimes what's not good enough is just an apology. Just words. Right, because what we're looking for in a relationship is not words. We're looking usually for actions or some long-term uh, agreements about how we interact and how we like to socialize. And if you just apologize but you don't change your actions... It's meaningless. And not good enough. Yes. Another thing in a relationship that is not good enough is love. What? I know, it's so crazy. But what I mean by this is just having that feeling of love towards somebody else may not be good enough, is probably not good enough. Yeah. And there's part of that, kind of like we mentioned with our apology, is not enough. Saying I love you is not good enough. There are actions that are implied by both of those statements that need to happen. Recently, I told Steve that a way he could love me better is to spontaneously clean the kitchen without my asking him and without my thanking him afterwards. Good to know. I, he has <laughs> done that, I just want to say. Steve is not so great at wanting to follow rules or anything like that, but he, he does clean the kitchen every now and then, just like I asked him to do, and that means a lot to me. Which we have talked about the love languages, Mm -hmm. before, and that's a way to get to know your partner, whether the love languages are legitimate or not, doesn't matter. We've also talked about the Enneagram and whether it's legitimate or not, if it helps you get to know your partner and it helps you be a better partner, then take that good from it and run with it. But of course, there are aspects to love, relationships, and anything like that where you just need to be a human and in some cases be an adult where survival matters too. So finances matter, taking care of people matters, and those things you might be able to get away with just good enough. But you still gotta do them. Right, and this goes back to like, just loving each other might not be good enough. Figuring out some finances and paying rent on time or mortgage or a payment or whatever, like these are things that are just necessary. Having money to buy food, to have for dinner, Things like that. Right, because as in love as you might be, that usually doesn't pay the bills. And there's this other aspect to relationships where we don't necessarily want just enough. Oh, that makes my heart sad when you say that because I think there are people out there, and this isn't friendships too, but in relationships where it's enough and it's just kind of like there. And it's not thriving. But it's not dying. It's just existing. And so for a romantic relationship... 
you probably don't want to just settle for that. Yeah, you don't want to just exist in a relationship. You want it to be enjoyable. You want a loving relationship to be alive. So clearly we could go on about how that's that good enough in a relationship is not necessarily good enough. Right. Next up, religion. Ah, so I have my juniors in philosophy at the beginning of the year just because it's about asking questions, put down three of these big questions. They could be ontological, they could be personal, they could be whatever. Uh, And it has come back in multiple iterations of this exercise where I have the most common questions and I, we talk about them in the first week of class. And some of them are like, what is my purpose in life? Where did everyone come from? If there's a God, where did he come from or she? But one question really stuck with me. It was actually a combination question. Am I doing enough? And I, I've read that the first time, like doing enough for what? Or for whom? I don't know. And then the other question was, am I good enough? And here's where religion comes in. Because especially with religions with rules and that you should follow, there is a good or bad. Bad is not following the rules. Good is following the rules. And what is good enough? What is following the rules enough? Yeah, I think of Christianity and I think good enough would be accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and saying the sinner's prayer going down the Romans road. We've talked about these things before, but good enough would be getting yourself to heaven. Right. And what does that take? We've gone to many sermons before where it doesn't stop at the sinner's prayer. You have to then live the rest of your life as a Christian in the Christian ways, following all the rules, doing all the things. Yeah. And do you really think that uh, an omniscient, omnipotent God is going to create a system where you can just be good enough and it's good enough <laughs> and I we're, don't think so we're told with the Christian story I mean we know it pretty well that you're already good enough Jesus died for you he's good enough he made you good enough you just have to believe that it's like okay yeah but so am I doing enough yeah what exactly are the checks that I need to do to get to heaven and that's where we would say maybe there isn't a good enough. Maybe there's not, that that question should just be thrown out entirely. So we have all these, what's good enough, what's not good enough. And this one, you just get rid of the question. It's never about that. And then people would ask you, Steve, well, what is it about? It might just be that silly kid song that goes, I've got a peace that passes understanding way down in my heart. Where? (laughs) (laughs) Way down in my heart. Where? Way down in my heart. And if you can get to that point, if I could dare say that's that's good enough. Yeah. And it's tough because I don't think that it's something that you can write down and explain. I don't think you can write rules for or standards. It's not, I don't think, a step-by-step process. And with religion, it does seem like people want it to be that way. Follow these steps. Follow these rules. Meet these standards. And then it's enough. And we're just asking the question, what if those don't exist? And lots of other times, the rules about what is good enough or when it's not are usually up to the person, the family, the situation, the season. And we, Jen and I, reserve the right to change our minds about some of these. Right. This is an ongoing conversation. That's what this podcast is all about, is starting a conversation And asking questions and expressing doubts. So, yeah, 
Have we talked about a lot of things in this episode? Sure. But could we change our minds about some of them in a month, a year, 10? Yeah, that's life. And we're okay with that. And so what we want to hammer home here is we think we've started the conversation good enough. And it's up to you to take it from here. You assess your own life now and ask yourself these questions like, what am I doing in my life that is actually good enough? And what am I doing in my life that that isn't making the mark? Right. You can even think, what is good enough about their podcast? Or is listening to the podcast good enough? Or when it isn't, maybe you have something to add. You can tell us. For instance, one of our recent podcasts talked about drinking. We had arguably the most responses about this. Friends coming out of the woodwork saying, I'm also a teetotaler. Yeah, yeah. And that was exciting. It was, it was. So please connect with us. We love to hear from you and keep the conversation going. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Jen. I'm Steve. We hope you'll feel empowered to question the rules you follow. Fear mediocrity. And keep the conversation going. Is that good enough, Jen? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>